The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, Disability Law Show, you know what that means. It's Friday and we're set to go. Savan Tamarkin here, courtesy Samfiru Tamarkin, LLP. You want to reach out to Savan and his team anytime. They tell you just to pick up a phone and do so. Get the information. It'll cost you nothing to have a simple chat. one 821 5900 The email address we're going to get to here momentarily is help at disabilityrights.ca. And if you want uh, to learn stuff really quickly, really put simply, go to ltdfaq.ca. It is exactly that. Frequently asked questions about the LTD space, and it's not in legalese. It's very simple to digest and uh, and understand as well. ltdfaq.ca. Going to get to our emails shortly here, Savannah, but what do you got to, to open it up, pal? What's going on? Hey, John. Great to be here with you and uh, you know the rest of the folks who are listening here today. I want to talk about uh, um, slip and falls. And I know mm-hmm. we've spoken about this topic before, but this is uh, an issue that I want to raise uh, that some people may not be aware of, which is this. And this doesn't just apply to slip and falls. It's any injury type claims, right? As as an injury lawyer, as a personal injury lawyer, and and especially someone who used to work for insurance companies in the past, I understand the power of uh, giving advice. And also when people don't understand the process, thinking they can trust insurance companies, particularly insurance companies of... Uh, the uh, entities or or individuals who own a property where you fell. Let me give you an example here. This lady called me earlier this week. She told me that uh, her mother, who's 63 years old, uh, slipped and fell uh, in a grocery store uh, because it was some leak from a fridge. Uh, and it was a fairly significant injury. Uh, there were witnesses there. There's no question the store is responsible. I mean, this fridge had been leaking for a few days now. But the problem there is that this lady, of course, uh, you know, when she fell, she, she broke her hip, her left hip, and uh, it's a very, very serious injury. It's going to impact her ability to move, to be mobile. She was very active before. She went on many walks. She was very active with friends, went on vacations. Now there are going to be issues here. Uh, and so what happened was this happened uh, about two months back. They had obviously been in touch with the insurance company and uh, the insurance company of the grocery store where this happened. And the insurance company had sent an adjuster to this lady's home. And this adjuster spoke with this lady, took down a statement, and then showed that statement to this lady who fell. And then this lady says, yes, it's all correct. And then she signed that statement. Now, when I looked at that statement, incidentally, Mm -hmm. the insurance company came back and said, yeah, we don't think we're responsible here which of course is ludicrous because that fridge had been leaking for a few days. I can tell you right now, based on the facts, 100% the store is going to have to pay, or at least the insurance company is going to have to pay. So it's really important to understand that when you are dealing with an insurance company and they send over an adjuster and you don't have any legal representation, you haven't spoken to a lawyer, a lawyer has not been helping you, has not been there, it's really you versus the adjuster. It's really you versus the insurance company who's a very sophisticated party. And when they take down a statement, they're not putting it down word for word in terms of what you say. They put it in in their own words. They take whatever you give them, whatever information you give them, and they put it in their own words. And then they put it in a statement. They show it to you. As a layperson, you may think that there's nothing you know, bad about the statement, that it really mm-hmm. reflects what you say, except that one single word can mean the difference between you getting paid or not. I'll give you an example. This lady, we know that there was a leak there. But when she was asked why it is that that you believe that you fell, 
right? Why you believe that you fell? This lady said, I believe that I fell as a result of this liquid. Now, here's the problem. She didn't say, I know that I fell because of the liquid. You know, my, my clothes were, were wet. Uh, other people saw me that I fall, you know, you know, that I fell on this liquid. She wrote, I believe. Now, some people out there may say, well, what's the big deal about that? She believes because that's exactly what she thinks happened. There's a difference between saying, I believe something happened and I know something happened. There is a certainty here, right? There is a certainty between I think and I believe and I know. Now, again, people have to understand, it may seem innocuous to you. It may seem like it makes no sense that I'm even doing anything with this, that I'm focusing so much on this. Mm -hmm. But the insurance company on the other side, their job is to minimize how much compensation they have to pay you. And so my concern here is that now that they've said to her, we don't think we're at fault, and they give a whole bunch of reasons, they're going to try and fight with her. Now, I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to make sure that I rectify this. But my point is, I have to unravel the statement. I have to explain, obviously, why she said what she said, why she signed the statement. You don't want to be in that situation. Get legal advice immediately after an injury happens, or at least your family should be contacting a lawyer. I mean, we're very happy to speak with people. We do this all the time for free. We give advice. We analyze these cases. We can tell you what it is you can be looking at in terms of compensation, uh, responsibility, who's responsible. But please, please, please do not sign one of these statements. Don't even meet with an adjuster from the insurance company after an injury without speaking to a lawyer first. All you're going to do by doing that is put you in a position where you could potentially be closing off an avenue of compensation because the insurance company, they know what they're doing. And I'm telling you this as somebody who used to work for them. That's right. I used to love these cases where the adjusters for the insurers I was working for would be going to the other side, you know, to the person who's injured, getting a statement, and I would rely on that statement, and I would take a hard-line position for the insurance company. So please don't do that. Don't be in that position. Don't make that mistake. Give us a call. Have a chat with us, with me, with somebody on my team. We can explain to you the process, and we can go through what needs to be done, and then you can decide how you want to proceed. If you still want to meet with the adjuster then, by all means, go ahead, but at least you'll know what to expect. Again, it's all about the information. Reach out first before anything. As as Sivan just mentioned, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Want to get to uh, to a question though as we uh, as we roll on here, pals. You know, most people can't afford to hire a lawyer, right? Makes sense. What are some of the benefits your firm provides? A question I know you get all the time. We do get that question all the time, and one of the first things that we're often praised for is responsiveness. I am specifically OCD when it comes to this. If you email me now, obviously we're doing the show, I'm not going to be able to respond, but I can tell you the first thing I'm going to do right after we finish the show is check my voicemail, my emails, my texts. Mm-hmm. And this is the case with the lawyers in my firm. It's the case with with you know our culture. Lawyers have a habit of taking their sweet time, not understanding that people are, you know, in a panicked mode when it comes to legal issues, understandably so. You know, we deal with people who lose their jobs, people who are injured, people who are in very difficult situations. So we respond very fast. We move your case through the system very, very fast because we don't sit on these things. That's number one. Number two, team approach. One of the reasons why we can move your case through the system so quickly to resolution is because it's not just me working on your claim. It's two, three, four, five, six other people, depending on the type of case you have. In other words, we're not working on a, you know, do this and then do this and then do this. We do as many things as we can at any given point, again, with the idea of bringing your case to resolution. Number three, we don't charge anything, anything for injury and disability cases up front. We only get paid at the end of the day. And I know there are many other lawyers who do this, and in fact, I praise them for it. But I also hear from people, John, that come to me and say, I paid $5,000 retainer 
you know, to hire this lawyer and nothing has been done for two years. Well, I, I'll tell you what, uh, if you pay me uh, $5,000 and I don't have to do anything, I mean, that's a sweet life. That's what these <laughs> you know, lawyers are thinking. If I'm on contingency, which means that I work like a real estate agent, I get a percentage of whatever it is I can recover for you. If you don't get paid, I don't get paid. Just like you know, a, a real estate agent. If the real estate agent doesn't sell your house or apartment, they don't get paid. Same right. idea. So you don't pay anything. Now, in addition to that, we have a fairly good, fairly good, an excellent name, I would say, but fairly good exposure in the media, right? We've been in the media. Our lawyers have been in the media because we take on the challenging cases, because we take on the big cases. I mean, check out the TD class action that I was spearheading That's right. over the last couple of years after COVID. Check out the various cases that many lawyers in my firm have been doing. We're in the news all the time for a reason. The last thing I'll say, and this is for my group, my group being the injury and disability group, quite a few of our lawyers have worked for insurance companies in the past, including mm -hmm. myself. That is a massive, massive advantage because we understand how these insurers think. Now, these insurance companies, these adjusters, defense lawyers on the other side listening to the show right now, John, are rolling their eyes. They can roll their eyes as much as they want. I know exactly how they report cases to their clients. I know how they assess those cases. I know how they deal with medical documentation. I understand oftentimes the psychology of individual insurance companies because I have worked for many of them. I've reported to many of these adjusters and I now use a lot of the information that I have gained about how to advance my client's case forward on the basis of that experience. So this is absolutely critical, John. It's not not many firms can tell you that they have that experience, uh, that they have you know the capacity and the ability and the, the the financial firepower to go you know head to head, toe to toe with these insurance companies. And we absolutely can, and we do each and every day. Yeah, it's interesting. You know that that history you have in some of the other lawyers in the firm working for uh, the insurance companies. You know, it's like that little disability law Trojan horse. You were on the inside, you got inside, you had to look around, you know it really well, and now you're using those tools on the other side to help people out. So it's a, it's a massive benefit. I don't see how anybody can go wrong having uh, having you guys on their side, right? Not only that, let me tell you about a case I had a few years back, uh, and I have to be careful here because that case ended up resolving, but I was at a mediation, which is a, a very confidential process. Uh, it's a settlement discussion, essentially, between the parties and a third-party neutral mediator. And on the other side was an adjuster that I had known and actually had worked for myself. In other words, I reported to that person years ago, but I was now on the other side. And towards the end of the mediation, he came to me and he says, Sivan, I'm putting top dollar on the table here to get this file resolved. And the only reason I'm putting this top dollar is because I know that you don't, I don't want to use the bad word here, John, but you know, you don't uh, mess around. Uh, <laughs> you don't mess around. And, and, yeah. and, and I know your work quality and I've worked with you. And so my client ultimately was paid top dollar because of that. So the relationship that I have with these people, the relationship that these adjusters and defense lawyers have with me and lawyers in my firm, in my mind and to me, I can tell you from a result standpoint, puts us way, way further ahead yeah. than other lawyers. And with that, we'll take our first break, uh, the only break, and get in some email upon the return. That uh, any time, not only for the show, but email Savan and his team at, uh, at your leisure's help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, the phone number, one 821 Short break coming back in your Friday evening here with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you uh, here with us. Your emails are what we're concentrating on now for the rest of the show. It's uh, help at disabilityrights.ca during and after the show, of course. And that phone number, one 855 5,900. Here we go. Dylan is up, says, guys, my brother was driving uh, at uh, a night last week from Kingston. It was rear-ended at the lights at an intersection. The other driver was charged with careless driving, and my brother still had headaches and pains all over his body. He does. He didn't break anything, thank God, but he hasn't been able to get out of his bed because of the pain. He also hit his knee on the dashboard and has trouble moving his leg. So they scheduled him for an x-ray. He's a plumber and works for himself. I'm concerned that he can't work now, and his wife just gave birth to a girl two months ago, so she's on mad leave. What should we be doing to help him? Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, that's absolutely horrible. First of all, Dylan, thanks for reaching out. Uh, This just happened, so it's a good thing that you're contacting me. Obviously, the medical side of things, that's key. Obviously, he has been checked out. He's going to be going for follow-up appointments, x-rays maybe even an MRI for his knee because they have to figure out what's going on. Again, I'm not a doctor, but he's going to obviously get all the medical help that he needs. Let's break this down, though, because it's important that, you know, Dylan, you can explain to him what needs to happen and what he needs to do and understand and the family in general. And, and by the way, the caveat here is I'm speaking now, I'm giving you general information, but I want to speak with you or with your brother or with his wife to, you know, to be able to, to just uh, dive a bit more into the facts so I can give them more information about their case and what they, they need to understand. So uh, we're dealing with a rear-end collision. So the first thing, obviously, that I analyze from that perspective is that it was not his fault. There are two types of claim in a case like this. One claim is for accident benefits. Now, accident benefits are also called no-fault benefits. This has to do with car accidents in Ontario. Anyone and everyone that is injured as a result of a collision with a car, whether that is uh, car by car, multi-car collision, pedestrian versus car, cyclist versus car, whatever. If a car is involved, you are going to be entitled to certain accident benefits if you have been injured. And there are different kinds depending on the severity of your injuries. If your injuries are very, very minor uh, and the insurance company deems you to be within the minor injury guidelines, it's called the MIG, you are going to get up to $3,500 for treatments. I'm talking about physiotherapy, massage, chiropractic, etc. Now, there's a second category, which I think is where Dylan's brother falls into, which is a non-catastrophic. So it's not a minor injury. Clearly, he's injured other things. There may be issues here with his knee. Uh, He may fall within that non-catastrophic category. And and that non-catastrophic category potentially gives him access up to $65,000 for medical and rehabilitation benefits, attendant care, things like that. If he cannot work, he's a plumber here, he's going to be entitled to income replacement benefits, not for the first week, but thereafter, up to $400 a week. Okay, up to, right? There is a formula that we use, the insurance company uses to calculate that. Now, I don't know what kind of benefits he may have. I know he works for himself, but maybe he has benefits that he has secured for himself. I always tell people, even if you work for yourself, try and get health benefits or disability benefits, some kind of a coverage in the event that something happens to you. But regardless, John, he's going to be entitled to certain amount of income replacement benefits, uh, to medical and rehabilitation benefits. And again, you can have cases, by the way, not Dylan's brother, thank God, but other people who are catastrophic, in which case, you know, the the benefits you're entitled to through the uh, no-fault 
regime, the acts and benefits component of the claim, uh, those go into the stratosphere. You can have up to a million dollars worth of benefits for medical and rehabilitation, etc. Now, that's accident benefits, right? It doesn't matter if he's at fault or not for the accident. It doesn't matter if you're at fault or not. You get accident benefits if you're injured. But what happens beyond that? Well, he was re-rendered. So the first point of analysis is whose fault it was, which I'm just saying, I just said, it was not his fault. Most likely it was 100% uh, uh, the other person was at 100% at fault. And in fact, that person was charged with careless driving. So it indicates to me that this is not going to be a difficult case from that standpoint, from a fault determination standpoint. Why is that important? Well, because his brother now has a claim, it's called a tort claim, potentially, against the driver that hit him. If Dylan's brother... Uh, uh, if his injuries are going to have some permanency to them or they're going to be there for the long term or it's going to affect his ability to earn money in the foreseeable future uh, or if it's altered his, his life in a way that's not just temporary but again into the foreseeable future, he may have a substantial claim here against the other driver. He may be able to make a claim for pain and suffering, for potential income losses in the future, even if he's back to work full-time but can't do overtime hours, he has a claim for those overtime hours. You know, income loss is a very interesting topic. We're going to have a show, I think, one time, John, just talking about income loss because I've had cases where people went back to work full-time even to the overtime hours, but because they had some form of residual impairments because of their injuries, we made claims for what's called loss of competitive advantage in the workplace, meaning that they're not as competitive as employees in the workplace because someone else can come along that is completely healthy and get the job instead of them. So you have all these kinds of claims. Now, uh, uh, Dylan's brother is, is married uh, and, and you know, he, he's got uh, uh, a, a little girl, uh, little girl that uh, was just born two months ago. Well, guess what? Her, uh, his wife and his little girl are entitled to potentially uh, also pain and suffering damages under what's called the Family Law Act. Right. I'm throwing, I'm throwing all these things out, but it's important to understand that Dylan's brother has uh, uh, an entitlement here, not just to accident benefits, but potentially to a lot of compensation against the insurance company of the driver that hit him. And, and you know, one of the things people ask me when they come to me is, well, what does that mean? What's a dollar figure? What's the amount? Other than accident benefits, where I can sort of tell you that you have up to X amount of dollars for, for rehabilitation or X amount of dollars for income loss, when it comes to the tort claim, the claim for pain and suffering and everything else, that really does depend on how much better he gets with treatments. It depends on what the injury is to his leg. Is he going to need surgery? Is he going to be able to go back to work full time or not? Is he going to need help around the home? Is he going to have other expenses? All of these things are potentially compensable, right? He can get compensation. And so it's almost like a puzzle, but it's a fourth dimensional puzzle. It takes time to figure this out. But let me give you a scenario. Let's say that Dylan's brother, I don't know, he's 40 years old, let's say. Okay, I don't know how old he is, but 40 years old. And let's say that he's unable to work for the next 10 years in the same capacity that he just worked before the accident. Let's say he's losing $10,000 a year. Okay. Just by virtue of doing a straightforward calculation, you're thinking 10000 over 10 years, that's hundred grand. It's not a simple calculation. Okay. It does depend if he's getting other benefits. It does depend if he's able to mitigate that and actually make some of that money elsewhere. There are many calculations, but pain and suffering, Pain and suffering here could easily be fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Again, depending on the severity of his injuries and how uh, serious those are into the future and how it impacts him at home. All these things are important to understand. 
Because if you don't understand those categories of compensation, if the lawyer you go to doesn't understand them or is not willing to put the work in to get the necessary experts to give opinions or to dive in and understand what the full implications are for Dylan's brother and his family, they're not going to get the full compensation that they are owed from that insurance company because that insurance company is going to fight. Every insurance company out there does not want to pay you. It's that simple. That's how they make profits. They get premiums and they don't pay. So again, uh, John, I know I spoke a lot here, but Dylan, there is a lot more to discuss. I would like to, to get in touch with, with your brother when he's uh, uh, ready. Uh, there are certain time limitations. Uh, there are certain timelines we have to adhere to when it comes to accident benefits, which we can help with. Uh, and of course, putting the other driver uh, and his insurance company on notice of a claim in the future. With that, we'll move down to Sarah. Quickly get one more uh, email in here for the remainder of the show. I would imagine one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Reach out to Savannah and his team by phone and then help at disabilityrights.ca. Sarah is up, says, guys, my mother was involved in a, a serious car accident last year and wasn't able to go back to work for a while. Her friend was driving the car and because of black ice, she swerved into a ditch. It was very traumatic for her. She uh, she won't even agree to drive now. She had bruised ribs, a torn right rotator cuff, and had surgery on it. She developed a frozen shoulder. Uh, she's in her mid-60s, and she's a lot less independent now. I'm not sure what she would be doing, legally speaking. Uh, a friend of mine said that because she didn't break anything, there's not much she can get in terms of money for her injuries. But I wanted to check with you. What do you guys think? Sarah, the friend is absolutely wrong, and this is the problem, right? I mean, you wouldn't go to a friend to get medical advice unless that person has a medical degree or works in the medical field and has some knowledge of medicine. Uh, Sarah, I can tell you right now, just like with uh, Dylan's brother, your mother is entitled to, number one, accident benefits. That's really important to understand. Based on the information you've given me here, she would fall into the non-catastrophic category for accident benefits. So she's entitled to up to $65,000 of medical and rehabilitation benefits and attendant care. Uh, she's having difficulty uh, working or had difficulty working. So she would have been entitled to four hundred, up to $400 a week, except for the first week. Uh, again, looking at how much she was making, we, have, we can figure that out. But I'm telling you right now that she also has a claim against your friend's insurance company. This is important to understand, John. Many people who are passengers in vehicles, in cars, and they get into an accident, they're afraid to make a claim. They don't feel comfortable making a claim against the friend or the spouse or whoever was driving. For but you sure. have to understand, you are entitled to certain compensation, not from that individual, but from that in person's insurance company. Now, it's up to you if you want to pursue it or not, but I can tell you, Sarah, just based on the information you've given me here, your mother's claim compensation-wise is probably in the six figures. I don't know if it's 100000 200000 300000 but it's a lot of money. So please, I'd love to get in touch with you, with your mother, to explain this. And then after she has all the information, she can decide how she wants to proceed. But please at least have her speak with me so she understands what her options are. Sarah, that's pretty much going to do it for us. Thank you so much for wrapping it up uh, nicely there. You can always reach out afterwards to Savannah and his team. That goes for you as well if you're catching the show now as we're wrapping it up for a Friday evening. Here's that number one more time, one 855 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca and for uh, other uh, opportunities to ask some questions freely and anonymously go to mydisabilityquestions.com and we will catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. Have a great weekend. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.